Okay, is this going to work? Is it just going to be this easy? No, uh, make sure it's on that number. I'm Jackie. I'm Hope. And, and this is fascism. I was wondering if we're going to say it at the same time. This is a podcast where we kind of talk about fashion, but it's really a lot of other stuff that sort of tangentially relates, which is my way of saying I promise you'll like it maybe. Yes, it's not just about fashion. Uh, we're also talking about other things that make you understand and relate to us. Right, right. We talk about culture, media. Sometimes it gets maybe a little political, but not really. So that's what we do. And the way that we're now starting our episodes, I guess, is by asking each other what's trending. Yeah. Is that our new format? I wonder if they, can they hear, I want to feedback. Can y'all hear Lulu in the background slurping up her drink? Yes or no? <laughs> now um, she's just standing staring at us. DM us in the uh, Instagram. Also, check out our Instagram. Follow us on Instagram. We also just posted our first TikTok video, and I feel a deep calling. I'm excited to be part of the TikTok world. It's been a fun way to kind of like distill some of our topics into shorter things to like really try to hone in on like what's the thesis here. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like I'm writing mini essays. You are. You should have. I mean, you guys couldn't been there, but Hope like was typing away for an hour and a half for like and one. And Jackie was like, you know, it. You only have three minutes. I was like, oh, don't worry, I'm mostly erasing. <laughs> exactly. There's a lot of editing, and then I wrote mine under five minutes, and Hope was like, that was a little quick. <laughs> no judgment. No judgment. And I did not like mine so she was not wrong anyways you can also email us i don't know why you'd want to but it would be so wonderful to hear from someone who's out there I, every time like i look at our statistics every day and i see like oh someone in like we just have a first uh, listener from kansas someone from denmark listened yeah we love our international fans yeah um if you're from if you live in ohio and you seem to be a kind of loyal listener we're calling you out ohio yeah please email us fascismpod at gmail.com yep Exactly. We really want to hear from you and see what you're up to. Let's connect to our people. We want to be your friends. If you have like helpful feedback, you want to message us, you know, obviously don't give us a bad review because we might seem overly confident, but our self-esteem is very fragile. We will crumble under a one star. Yeah. We will. I, I will. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like a three or two would crush me more because a one star would feel spiteful. Uh-huh. But if you're they right. gave a two or three. Also, if they did a one star, I would assume they didn't listen to the whole thing because like... A one star is an ex-boyfriend getting back at you. Right. It's like a Yelp review where you're like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Wait, was your pasta too spicy? Yeah. This person just clearly hates us because we exist, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. yeah. Two or three is like... It's like going to grad school for landscape architecture and then you put your heart and soul into a project and then you have to present it and then they like never cared or blink at it and but bring you down to a, a three or four pegs. It's sad. It's maybe it's like entering a chili contest and not placing even in the top four out of six contestants, <laughs> which is what happened to me. I told you that, right? I've told multiple people that story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I made my recipe this weekend and I, I fed it to Brian. I was like, here's my award losing chili. <laughs> But we both decided, and obviously, like, he loves me, so he's very nice to me. I mean, I know that that's not how it always I goes. mean, bare minimum, but it is a, it is an expectation if you are dating somebody. Right. But he was like, you know, it really just doesn't taste like chili. That, I think that that was what it was for them. Can I tell you, can I tell the audience some of the, some of the ingredients that you told <laughs> yeah, me? Yeah, fine. <laughs> 
uh, I sometimes make hope, uh, fun of Hope for her love of pomegranate. I don't know. And she definitely puts some pomegranate in a chili. Pomegranate molasses. Okay. Oh, okay. I wasn't clear it's on a that. Sweetener, but yeah, it was not a typical chili. It had lentils. It had apples. I just don't like chili. So I just wanted to participate in something at work. And I'm like, I'm not going to play golf. I'm not going to, like, join your fantasy football league. But you you want to make some food? Sure, I'll cook some beans. Yeah. But these people were serious about it. And they, well, they know, also love meat. I mean, the like top meat. three winners were meat. I honestly do. I'm a believer that if you're going to make some chili, there's got to be some meat. Yeah, I mean, that's – I understand. I mean, at least for a contest – Right. Me and the, yeah, me and the only other vegetarian chili, we were the only ones that didn't place. Yeah, exactly. They're fucking haters. They don't like vegetarians. Speaking of vegetarians. Should I go to HR? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tell them that they are vegetarian-ist, you know? Yeah, meatists. Meatists or, or veggieist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like we should give some more analogies to that because that's, that's a beautiful analogy. It's like, it's like. <sighs> oh, these are more analogies for two and three star reviews. Yeah. You starting a painting with something in mind, and then it's like just bleeds together and becomes shit. And then like your idol, your like favorite painter, just happens to walk by, and just like looks really disappointed. <laughs> um. Anyway, what what's been trending for you? I've been dating. I gotta look at my notes because we did write all this down. Whereas, sorry, act, act natural, Jackie. I know. I'm like, what have I been up to? Also, I just don't know. Like, I go into work and I go. I'm brain dead most of the time. I'm just trying to coast through. You guys could probably relate. It's just mm. like I have a full time job. I'm also going to GIS certs, so there's no room for emotion. But my car did break down. I was on my way. Okay, so Hope and I had a really cool Friday where Nick. My, my friend of a friend, Nick, was coming in. His, he's also named his Medium Build. And he had a show in Seattle, and I got, like, six tickets, and I invited all my buds, including Hope. We went, and it was so much fun. It felt – it invigorated me. Yeah, it was fun. Am I overhyping it? I mean, it was just a little show, but it was, like – what was cool about it was that there – he's – he lives in Alaska, and there are a lot of people there from Alaska, and it was just a yes. really enthusiastic crowd where, like, a few of the people there are, like, following him from show to show, just like his good buds, and so the energy was very supportive, and I yes. love a supportive energy at a Me show. Too. I, lo- I, I just have to say, my favorite group of people are rowdy, poor people, and mm. it re- reminds me of home, shout out to Nashville, Tennessee, but, like, when there's rowdy, poor people, there's a party. It's mm-hmm. just, like, and they're not judgmental because everybody's poor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, we're all, like, on the same level. And that's what it was. It was a bunch of rowdy, poor people. Mm-hmm. And I felt at home. Yeah. felt, like, it felt good. And we just had so much fun. And the next day I was just feeling alive. And I was just like, oh, I'm so glad to be alive. But I never think that, you guys. <laughs> never. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, I'm going to meet up with Hope. Hope and I had plans with our friend Ree to go to the Bellevue Open Biannual. What do you call it? It's the Bellevue Arts Museum. They do a biennial. And it's so um, the past five of them were based on materials, so yeah. they had um, glass, they had clay, blah, blah, blah. But right. this one, they decided to do architecture and design, which is, like, our thing. So we were supposed to go. We were supposed to go, and first off, like, backstory, Re and I went to the Venice one, mm. and our life was completely changed. Like, I think she and I both were very impacted by the art that we saw. And I think that's how art should be. It's to be experienced, to be mm. touched, and, like, that's what's so exciting about these designs. It's like the architecture is to be played with. Mm-hmm. And so I was excited to kind of see some things and like touch things and exp- whatever. 
And my car broke down in the rain on the way there. On the freeway. On the freeway. It was terrifying. Yeah, it sounds really scary. Um, so plummet. You know, I was like, I was like in my car, literally like singing Adele, like, which is the opposite of happy, but you know, I was belting. I was like, ah. But when you sometimes when you're in such a good mood, it like feels good to even be like cosplay being sad. Yeah. It's just like feeling something intense. Yeah, and I was just like singing along, and then my car f- starts to freak out, and I'm j- I'm I'm done with feeling good. You know, it's done. And I was just like, now I just need to go to bed. Mm. But on top of that, I called Steven, who lives in that area, my ex, and I was just like, hey, can you, like, pick me up or something? Because I'm on the freeway. His response, I thought, was callous and rude. Mm. And I told him to go fuck off, and he's a piece of shit. We may or may not ever talk again. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, it sucks that he had to be a dick. So it was, like, extra a layer. I was trying not to cry when the tow driver... I wasn't really paying attention to the tow driver when he got there. He was, like, waiting beside my car. And I realized he wanted to, like, put the my car in, on his, like, tow truck. But I was just, like, on the verge of crying and, like, looking out in space. I couldn't even, like, focus what was going on. And then he, he did give me an offer to, like, take me home, too. And I was like, mm. is he obsessed with me? I was very confused at this point. <laughs> Oh my gosh, did he take you home? Yeah, he dropped off my car and then drove me home. Very nice. Too nice. I couldn't, I was like, can I tip you? And he's like, well, we already passed that point because I'd already paid. And I was just like, well, I would have known. Anyways, but also he said things like, I was just talking about exploitation and like bosses making more. And I was like, people here make so much money and I feel like they should be making as much money as you do. Like you should be like, what's the difference? Like just kind Mm -hmm. of talking about it. He's like, well, that's been like beginning of time. I'm like, no, it hasn't. Yeah. You know, like things where I'm just like, what do you think I mean, there definitely have, I mean, feudalism, there's been so many labor structures that are exploitative. Sure. There's many other structures. Right, right. That have existed. And I think yeah. we just say since the beginning of time as like all humanity has always right. been like this. Right, yeah. Like, we've always had slavery. But like, does that mean that we think it's just like a fact of life yeah. that we never overcome? Yeah. So I was just like, whatever. And so also I'm dating. This is a lot of things. But I'm dating and I just, I think I found the love of my life, but he's might be vegan. He is vegan. And so now I'm very confused on, like, can't, I can't date someone that's vegan because I'm yeah. not vegan. Yeah. And you have to, like, one of the life lessons that someone told me was your diet has to match up. Well, but you, like, I just fed Jackie cheesy pasta and then she immediately had to go to the bathroom. Like, <laughs> it could be good for you. I'm supportive if he wants to cook me food, vegan food, and we go out to eat and we only eat vegan food, but, like, never expect me to make vegan food. Because that's too much work. I'm already trying not to think about what I'm eating. Mm-hmm. When I – if I have to start think, I try to buy snacks for this vegan because I was trying to be nice. It was a difficult task for me. What about, like, pretzels? I mean, I didn't know. I was Hummus? Scared. These are good things. I wish you were there. Grapes? I Oh, my God. You're a genius. <laughs> I got them, like, the worst snack. Gummy worms. I was like, that's vegan. That's right. <laughs> like, I mean, there are a few kinds of vegans. There's, like, healthy vegans, and then there's, like, trash vegans. You I know? think she – or they were, like, a, a healthy vegan, and I just, like – I'm trash. I don't know. So I just like didn't eat. I got sesame sticks too. Sesame sticks and gummy worms is what my choice was. I was like, sorry, this is all I could think of. Like, I just like don't want to think about making food. Yeah. Anyways. Well, another guy told me he liked death metal. And I was like, I don't think this is going to work. You have a wide range of red, of like, uh, what's it called? Red flags. Un, like non-negotiables or like, what's what are they called? I'm still seeing all these people. (laughs) (laughs) Fair. 
<laughs> Go on, though. I can't, just can't remember the name of the word, but... Uh, uh, boundaries? Non-negotiables, it sounds right. Like, deal breakers. That's what yeah. I'm thinking of. Well, But yeah. I guess it's not a deal breaker because you're still dating them. When he said he liked death metal, and I was like, oh, God, it really hurt. Because I'm like, how is this going to work? What are we going to do? Hang out and listen to death metal? No, you definitely wouldn't do that. Like, yeah. That's not... It's a, such a... Yeah, but... You know what? It almost feels better that it's that than some other offensive music because death metal is so like... Literally what's worse than well, death okay, metal. Well, okay. I have a reason because I feel like if it's another kind of music that like people are like, what do you mean? You don't like this? And then they just play it otherwise. But I feel like if you... It's very valid to be like, I cannot exist in a room where there's death metal playing. It's like everyone knows that death metal is like offensive. It's like the point of it. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's the kind of thing where they wouldn't feel like... They could just play it all the time around you. Yeah, he says he listens to it mostly when he's biking. Like, a, he sounds like psychotic. I'm just like imagining this guy putting death metal in here and just zoom it. You know, like I love that you're already complaining about how many <laughs> cyclists you're dating, and this one it's like a cyclist powered by death metal. It's just like, it's yeah, so much. Yeah, and I also he told me like prog rock, which is like red flag. Any mm. man that likes prog rock, I mean, I just come from a background of dating men that love prog and play prog, and it's just like, bleh. Like, what are some bands? Well, an example, I was like, so do you like Yes? Have you ever heard the band Yes? Yeah. You don't like Yes? No. I, I do. don't like the band Yes. I do. No? Yes. But he was like, yeah, I was listening to my way here. And I was like, of course you fucking were. Like, that's like what it means to me. It's like some guy that wants to be smart tries to listen to Yes. Says they love yes. That is my opinion about yes. Okay, noted. Okay, but like play it. Can we play some yes? No, okay. I just don't even want to go down this rabbit hole. Okay, okay. Um, or maybe I'm thinking Super Tramp. Oh, I like Super Tramp. Yeah, I think that's. But I don't I'm know. Thinking. That's like on the. That's not as much prog. It might be a psychedelic prog. I don't know. I would. I wasn't thinking of them as prog rock. I just was confused when you said yes. I was confusing them. But I might also. Not just like yes, but anyway. You're you're undecided about yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give it a, a solid maybe. Okay, solid we're going to get back to yes. this though. I want you to figure it out. We're going to listen to it eventually and I want your opinions on All it. All right, I will. It's like anytime a bunch of guys are calling some other guys genius, it's like I'm over it. Exactly, exactly. Anyways, that's been what's trending. I've been having a roller coaster ride. I would say it's like a scarf caught in the wind. Yeah. Oh, wow. Is that a You're Taylor welcome. Swift? Is that a Taylor Swift? Right? It might as well be. That is exactly what she would write in her lyrics. Except I think it would be better, but whatever. Well, you know, it's like, okay, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> okay, go on. What, with oh, what? what's trending with you? That's what I meant to ask. Um, I say, go on. <laughs> I was like, I wasn't saying anything. <laughs> what's trending with me? Uh, manic creativity is trending with me right now. Mm. Like... So we were supposed to go to the museum, and I hate to say it, but I mean, I okay. No, you can say it because I saw the pics. They're amazing. Disclaimer, I get really inspired every time I go to a modern art museum. I love mm. modern art. I go to them. I like. I try to go to modern art museums whenever I travel. Right. I fucking love them. Like, it does make me a little sadder that I didn't go with you. Yeah, we should go. Yeah. I, like, it's, yeah, I would love to. Yeah. So I felt super inspired by some of the stuff I saw, like, there's a thing on fascist architecture, anti-fascist architecture that you'd really like. It was like it had this really colorful mm. altar with these candles, and each candle had like um, a description of a project that they classified as anti-fascist. And mm. they were kind of like, this isn't an exhaustive list. This is like our intuition, blah blah blah. I actually started following the artist on Instagram, and they've been liking my posts. <gasps> and I think they're a professor at like 
someplace in Oregon, and I'm kind of... You're like, I'm moving to Oregon. Well, I just want to talk to them because I have been feeling... I just need to feel, like, sort of inspired about my work. But, yeah, seeing all these people's art made me feel really inspired. I just have some ideas for projects I want to do, and then I took a screen printing class on Tuesday. Another sort of manic incident, this is going to be my main story for this, is that I went to an estate sale on Thursday. I straight up... Okay, you can see the photos online of what is going to be at the estate sale, you know? So there was, like, this person had just, like, amazing dresses Mm -hmm. and, like, really cool clothes. So I straight up didn't go to work. I was like, does anyone from my job listen to this? Anyway, (laughs) I was like, okay, I was like, okay, I have to go to Costco to get food for my dog. No narcs. I'm just going to say this. No narcs are allowed in this fucking podcast. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I have to go to Costco to get food for my dog. I was like, what sounds urgent but not sad? You know, I didn't want to be like, my dog is sick. But I was like, she needs food. I have to go to Costco, which is in Kirkland. So so that was like Jesus. A, a fair. No, this isn't real. I was just going to the estate uh. sale. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. My dad orders the food from delivered to my door. <laughs> Um, I love this. Yeah, so I went. It was, like, raining. I got there right when it started, and there was already a huge crowd of people. Like, I don't know if it's always like that on the first day. I think it was partly because this was a really good sale. And so you had to take a number. I took a number, and I was number 70. And then they start calling out numbers, and then this guy comes up to me, and he's like, hey, my wife can't make it, and gave me a number, number 17. I was like, hey, thanks, daddy. He was obsessed with you. (laughs) We, like, didn't – we hadn't even spoken a word, but – So then I go in and it's just hectic. Like people, a lot of the people in there are like, they sell clothes. So they have big Ikea bags and they're just like stuffing stuff in a bag. I think that is so rude. That gives me such anxiety. But like, also I'm excited that you got to get in. Yeah. Yeah. So I was kind of like, and I thought everything was a dollar because I was competing with, no, I thought everything was $2 and things were unless I had a price tag. So I just was confused. So I was maybe in a state of both like, there was like scarcity uh, because people were grabbing things left and right, and I thought everything was really cheap. I Overall, I feel pretty good about what I came home with, though there was some some surplus, some might say, and I wanted to show you one of the things I got. Oh, my God, yes! I think I'm going to pause it, and then we're going to do a live try-on. I just want to preface that okay. I couldn't fully see this dress. I bought it, and I just kind of thought it would be an interesting piece to have. I didn't really like have a plan for it. Um, okay, I'll be right back. And we're back. Okay. Okay, am I supposed to, like, wait to look at you? No, you can look at me. Oh, <laughs> is this your wedding dress? No. <laughs> I, I feel know. like it is, might be. Is it a wedding dress? It certainly is white. You know, what else is a wedding dress? My but sister told me I look like Bo Peep. You do look like Bo Peep. That has to be a wedding dress, dude. That's okay. a 70s wedding dress. You think so? I think it's fucking cute as fuck. What if it comes with a big hat? Would that change how you think about it? No, you're still a wedding. Have you seen 70s wedding dresses? They love big hats. Really? Yes. Oh my God. I love this though. You could really like, at least underneath, you could like paint something if you wanted to. Paint something? Like some flowers or something? Mm, Yeah. It is a little long. Yeah. What are we going to do about that though? But I kind of like how it drags, but it gets dirty that way. Yeah, I don't know. Should I sell it? I mean, yes, because it's too long for you. It's really fucking cute. Look, Lulu's laying on it now. Of course. Oh, Aww. my God. <laughs> um, any, I think any, like, new thing I put on the ground, she automatically lays on. I think it's cute as fuck, dude. I wish wedding dresses were something that you could wear all the time. I know. Like, and white dresses. I like white I know. We need to get over the fact that wedding dresses are white, and we should just start wearing white dresses 
and not have a wedding. Just wear them out. Okay, now it's just me. That was fun. I love doing that. I want you to buy more uh, vintage wedding dresses. And then, like, it felt like I was the groom. <laughs> you didn't let me look at it. And so I had to turn around, you know, and be like, ooh, ah, you're so beautiful. Okay, well, there's that. Fun. That was fun journey for us. Yeah, so we're trying to get, like, a little more organized, I guess you could say. Yeah. So. I would definitely say that. Yeah, so now we're going to do, like, a little media haul. Basically, just like little tidbits. This isn't like the main big kahuna of the show. This is just like a few little topics, such as okay, so while I'm like out of breath from just like walking, you ran back there, threw it on, (laughs) ran back out of here, put on, went to go feed Lulu. Like that was that was a sprint. Um. Okay. Well, I've been really into the fashion (laughs) on (laughs) on Great British Bake Off lately. You don't watch that show, do you? I, okay, there was a moment in time where I didn't, but I knew stuff about it, and I remember being, like, acting like I knew about Great British Bake Off, and you were telling me all this stuff, and then one day I was like, yeah, I never watched the episode, and you're like, you never even watched an episode? Oh, well, that's because, okay, yeah, I remember. What did I say? Well. Was there, I think I had done some research on the host leaving. Yeah, 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 exactly, and. Yeah, well, I just didn't realize that, like, a lot of times you'd have an opinion on a show and then you'd reveal that you hadn't even watched it. Yeah. It was something that I had to get used to. (laughs) (laughs) I read a lot of stuff. I mean, not to defend my bad. Which, which, like, really, to be honest, doesn't always give you a good take. No, it doesn't. Yeah. I would would say it is a, a fault of mine, or what is it, my fatal, one of my fatal flaws where I make a strong-ass opinion about something I do not know a lot about, but I did read an article or so or something. Yeah, and to be fair, I mean, I feel like in that, yeah, I don't really remember what it was, but. Um, it was one of those things where I was like, I had read something about the host leaving. Yeah. And you were like, you don't even fucking watch it. I thought I, I thought I had a true fan. <laughs> friend um i'm looking but i have been watching it ever since because i was like she she's right and my roomie who is no longer my roomie shout out to gabe who listens to this podcast but like never spends time with me anymore oh i love this passive aggression (laughs) podcasting um he lives with his boyfriend pretty much full time which congrats but also hang out but we used to watch british bake off uh pretty regularly when it came out and it was a cute little pastime but now I I haven't since he hasn't been home I haven't watched any I was like looking into Prue because she's where she wears like these very big statement necklaces on the show and in general dresses like really colorful I love Prue she gives lesbian vibes old lesbian vibes but I don't know if she is I don't know if she is either but she apparently like it is a whole thing like her fashion thing like she has a jewelry line that she's doing with someone. i love her jewelry except it's a sometimes it's awful but sometimes it's so sometimes good. it's really good she's been wearing a lot of like clay looking pieces lately and then she also has like a glasses line she does and her website's like a little cheesy but i kind of love it anyway like okay she says it's good for someone her age i know right? i hate she's that i said 80. that yeah yeah which i know because she has one section called hashtag true prue where she says, hashtag true Prue is my soapbox. I haven't got to be 80 years old without seeing a good bit of life. Okay, Prue, retire, dude. Like, what are you doing? Dude, she's living the life. She literally tastes cake on TV. I just need her to relax, though. I think they have a lot of fun. I was noticing last episode, so they do, they, like, make some dirty jokes, and 
I think that they make even more than we see on the show. Like, I think they cut a lot of them out. There's been some scenes where I'm like, I think because they're, they're getting nasty. I think they're getting nasty. And like, she's said some things where she's like, oh, like, like whatever, making sex like jokes. wet hole. Like, I feel like there's, like, like, a lot that. about wetness and stuff that I'm, like, this is ample opportunity. When you're talking about baked goods, there's just so mm-hmm. many innuendos. Mm-hmm. I just love it. It seems like they have a great time. But so, on her fashion section, she says, fashion is more than one item. It is a total outfit. I have never been a slave to fashion, and I never will be. Of course, I want to look great, but not at the cost of pinched toes and uncomfortable body shapers or hours spent in crowded shops. Yeah. So, she's into it, and I just think that's fun. I, like, think that's great for her, too. Like, yeah. But I also want her to retire. Like, chill out. Like, you can do all these things still. You can do the necklace. It's not, that's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. She probably is working a lot. That's what I'm saying. 80? Take a nap, bro. Yeah. I hope you're getting at least three. <laughs> three naps? A day. Mm-hmm. That's Hope's goal for retirement God. and currently. I would love it. Okay. You want to talk about Blake Lively directing? Wait, do we want to talk about... Gucci Runway? Sure, yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so the Gucci Runway thing came out. Gucci kind of has an obsession with Hollywood, I would say. That was what the whole collection was based on. Yeah, but they've always kind of had an obsession with old Hollywood. I mean, like, Gucci and old Hollywood go hand in hand, I feel like. I mean, yeah, there's just, like, if you look at old Hollywood stars, sometimes they're wearing Gucci. You know, Gucci has been present in Hollywood as a designer since a long time. I guess, yeah, I don't know a ton, but I, it's does like they usually like it seemed unique that they were they did the runway show in LA like usually they do the runway shows in like Milan and mm-hmm, like sure. other places and it felt like they don't really have like an old hollywood aesthetic no not at all but back in when it was old hollywood they did gucci has been part of the celebrity world celebrities and gucci go hand in hand like yeah yeah but they really leaned into it for this one. And I think partly right. it was because of the movie that was coming out. Like, it was about... That makes sense. Lean, and that's, like, yeah, partly why they have these actors or, like, celebrities walking in the My, show. But why wasn't Lady Gaga in it then? They should have fucking done that. As the aunt, she, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe that not. cool. I just... I'm, I'm obsessed to see Lady Gaga playing her Italian ass self. Like, Did you see what she wore to the premiere of the... No. Oh, was it purple? Yeah. I did, and she looks fierce. Yeah, I'm really impressed that how they even like, got the photos where she like has her arms lifted up and like the dress is billowing perfectly. I'm like, what a shot. I know. Because you know she's just like walking on the carpet and she's having to like, Whoa. Do you think they, like, like one of her assistants brought a fan? That I bet they did. You think so? I mean, to get that effect. There's no wind in fucking California. Is you what think I... that they had like a battery-powered fan that... Also, yeah, no one in California. <laughs> <laughs> None. Um, yeah, I do. I mean, they're probably, I don't know if I'm right or wrong on this, but, like, that effect was really nice. But I want to say Malcolm McConaughey, Malcolm, McCon- what? Macaulay Culkin? Wow. Yes, Macaulay Culkin was in it, which was weird. And I want to know why, how, and what is going on there. I love it. I mean, I do too, but I'm just confused by it. Yeah, I'm confused by it. Him, like, he was in a band for a while. Yeah, he, you know, like, really too skinny for a while there. And he, now, looked, he looked healthy. Y- you mean he a little chunky in the, in the belly? I didn't say that. <laughs> I did not say that. that. I said he looked healthy. I think he looks, like, not like a model. That's all I'm saying. And, wow. And, no, that's not fair because, whatever, fuck men. But, like, also, like, that isn't fair. I think anybody could be a model, but by model, quote-unquote, standards of, like, what runways has, has made models 
be that they've chosen mm-hmm. that world, not me. Mm-hmm. It's pointing it out. It was just weird. He's short too. Mm-hmm. It seems like compared to all the other models, I don't know. Phoebe Bridges is like a baby um, who was also in it and she looked adorable. I'm a big fan of Phoebe. I feel like she's a queer. I feel like she's a little lezzy, but I don't know. The energy there feels like it. Jared Leto, what were your thoughts? I don't know. I don't really care. How do you not care about Jared Leto? Why How would I? We had a whole opinion about it in the past episode. Did we? Yes. Kathy, did we have a whole <laughs> opinion about Jared Leto? Well, I did. I, I so- just can't. I just like don't. Yeah, I just don't care about him. I mean, he's the worst. Yeah. Wait, was he? Is he in the new House of Gucci? Yeah. And La- Lady Gaga wasn't in the runway. And now I'm mad. Maybe she didn't want to. She probably didn't. I mean, honestly, I get it. But like, Jared Leto's such a fucking asshole. I hate him. He's one of my top like of hated celebrities. And, and there is a real list, people. Yeah, there really is. Mark Wahlberg is like number two. Ashton Kutcher is number one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I didn't Anyways. even notice that Phoebe Bridgers was in it, and I've looked at the collection like a million. I don't know what she looks like. I'm not really a fan of hers. I kind of just got really annoyed when everyone was obsessed with her. I'm same, same. And like, and then, I'm just like another white girl making music. And then it was, there was this thing where she like spoke out against Marilyn Manson, being like, "I was 14. I went to his house, and like, weird stuff happened." I'm like, first of all, yeah, you went to Marilyn Manson's house, and weird stuff happened. Like, duh. Mm-hmm. And then also like, you were a rich kid hanging out with celebrities, like. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of like, nah, not You were mad me. about that? Well, okay, she might have been a victim, so we have to, like, say that. That's not... I mean, yeah, I don't... I'm not happy that she was a victim. Yeah, but you're just, like, mad that rich girl... Like, rich people get these opportunities and then... Well, I do think I, it was just kind of, like... I feel like she has this kind of, like, indie girl mystique around her or, like, cool girl, like, I do skeleton stuff vibe. And it's, like, part of it feels in, not ingenuine to me. I'm just kind of like, yeah, whatever. You're another, like... LA person who went through the like nepotism factory and like and then I think also just like how obsessed people were with her when I was like I just like I don't know I I just don't really like the music and I listen to a lot of music in that genre so it's not like I'm against the genre but it's like a tepid like honestly there's not many celebrities who I'm like I really hate them I'm just kind of like it felt like it was a hot take just because everyone was so obsessed with her to be Mm. like I'm not really into it I honestly just don't understand fandom in mm-hmm. general. Mm-hmm. So when people are fans of things, I'm automatically like, that's so weird that you like somebody so much. Right? It's also weird because it's like so many people in the world are capable of playing music, but you create this like mystique around like one person who plays music and then it becomes this whole thing. And it's like, yeah, why? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm just like, there's so much problem in the whole aspect of fandom because I'm like, no, there's still humans with like you projecting all these things onto them. That's not even true. Right. and. Yeah. People suck innately, but also they don't. But, like, don't give anybody too much credit for just having a talent. Moving on, I'm going to do my piece on Henry Matisse and his journey with textiles. And this Mm. is part one where I kind of focus on the chapel that he designed and the vestments, which is kind of more the – it's not going to be a timeline of even trajectory. It's going to be kind of like – this time, I'm picking out different things that I like about mm-hmm. his journey. Mm-hmm. But this one's about the vestments. Um, but what do you know about Henry Matisse? Not much. <laughs> I'm sorry. She was like, here it is. Here's the question. <laughs> <laughs> He's an artist whose work is big blobs of color. You're like, not wrong. Big blobs of color and a lot of like avant basic people have it in their homes. Like I see. Oh, really? A lot. It's like trendy right now. 
Yeah, that uh, makes I see sense. a lot of pieces on Facebook Marketplace. I like them. It's like it's almost like graphic designy, the kind of mm-hmm. like at least this part of his art. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I know. I wonder what ones you're seeing. What are you seeing when you see it? It's blobs, blue. It's like um, like figures, maybe big human figures. Are there people in it? Yeah. Because there's different eras of his. Yeah, there's people. Okay, so that's that's, but that's like pretty abstract. Yeah, yeah. He also has a collage period that I think you would really like. Cool. Um, that's toward his later end of his life, you know, where he's just gluing, hot gluing shit together is what I assume. <laughs> yeah. Every, every artist reaches a point. <laughs> okay. So when get, am I allowed to ask questions? At any point, you're allowed to ask questions. It makes the content interesting. <laughs> so what's the, what time period is, is there art, his art? It, he dies in like the 1950s. Okay. That makes sense. Cause it's like collage modernism, like towards the end of his career. It, like Picasso and him existed during the same time period. Okay. So I, I don't want to say, like, a certain time period exactly for him because he lit, he did art for, like, 40, 50 years, uh-huh. you know? But, like, I think he was – well, well, I'll tell you a little more here. But that, yeah, okay. He, it was, like, 20th century. Yes, early 20th century for sure. And, yeah. So his parents and grandparents were weavers, which I thought was kind of interesting. It's in oh. his blood. Mm-hmm. And he lived in this French textile mill town – where everything was gray, and he reportedly claimed that he lived in a prison in his first two deca- decades. Oh, wow. I mean, he didn't actually, but, like, it was just so gray and boring. And, li- you know, have you been in industry? You've seen industry. Like, we've gone downtown. Yeah, I mean, I I complain about going into the office because there's too many gray file cabinets. Like, yeah. that shit gets to me. Yeah, but this is, like, turn of the century. There was no such thing as murals. Like, you know what I mean? Like... People weren't making or allowed to make art because they were working all the fu- – working in a textile industry is probably, like, the hardest, most exhausting job to exist. And, like, mm-hmm. it's sad to think that people just, like, lived and died doing that. Mm-hmm. Anyways, he – his life started in – you guys, there's a lot of French words coming up, so deal with it. <laughs> Bohane in uh, Ben Madu, which I know Ree would probably – hate me speaking all this in Picardy we France. could like get her to do voiceover I love that <laughs> in a sharp contrast to the air uh, area somber scenery Bohane was very much celebrated for its vivid and innovative silk so it is an interesting contrast of being like wait this, so that's where he lived yeah he grew up like as weavers member so th- he lived in this textile mill industry town yeah so which was very Gray oh, and so they boring. were making vivid silks. They were making very vivid silks. That is where you got all your silks at. Oh, like, wow. Which is just kind of funny to me. Yeah, very poetic. And I when I stayed in Leon, we got to find, uh, go to a lot of silk in industry places because huh. that was also another hub. It was, like, close to Venice in some capacity. I don't know. Huh. And they, back in the, like, 1700s, 1800s, when they had such poor, like, the the textile mill industry had such poor air quality and the way they would do a barometer on it, I guess, of the air quality is they would have birds in there. And if they flopped over and died, they knew that the air quality was bad. Yeah, dude, birds are sensitive. Like if you cook in a Teflon pan and you have a bird in your house, they can get sick. Exactly. So they they could tell like what the air quality was by the bird's behavior, basically. Wow, what an image. Yeah, and I think that kind of also illuminates how bad things were. But you know what I mean? I mean, whatever. While he basically ends up going to Paris for art school, he gets the hell out of there, okay? So 
I, it was just kind of interesting that one of his first like joys of finding textiles was in Paris, and he was on this bus and he spied a stunning toy de hoy. Oh God, <laughs> tablecloth featuring blue floral motifs in a junk shop window, and rushed to buy it. This simple, cheap fabric of humble origins not only became the, the starting point for Motis's own fabric archive, but also led him to create his most radical early paintings. This started his working library. He like had a working library of textiles. Wow. What would be considered your working library? I feel like you have Probably one. Clothing. Yeah, but like, would what would you consider like in your wardrobe? Just like a couple, I real quick. Would your top? Th- would you bring even if you like couldn't wear anymore? Would you ever keep something just for to yeah. have a visual stimulation? Yeah, yeah. I have a pair of like tall, leather like leather lace up boots, like brown chunky heel that I got in Nashville that I, yeah, have worn a bunch that are actually kind of too big for me that I would keep. Yeah. I don't know. Are you a person that keeps, like, fabric? Sometimes, yeah. I mean, I'm, in general, a hoarder. Yeah. A little bit. Like, semi-organized. Yeah. But do you have some cloths that you are, like, you're like, this is precious to me? Not really, because I don't, I haven't done a ton of sewing until recently, and I usually just sew, like, thrifted stuff. I know, but he didn't even sew it, but he just used it as his, quote-unquote, working library. It brought him inspiration. So he would just own textiles that were just there as a library to look at. Yeah, like, for patterns and, like, whatever. I'm going to show you, yes, because he used a lot of paintings, and, like, a lot of his collages were inspired by, like, fabrics. Basically, Matisse loved fabrics. He's obsessed Although his collection started in Paris as a poor art student, you could say that fabrics have been part of his genetics. Mm-hmm. Favoritism was the name of the movement that he basically started. That's what you see, like all those colors. The kind of it's called favoritism. I just hmm. wanted to kind of cool. educate the use. We love a vocab word. It's, it's an avant-garde arm movement, is what Oxford language said, aka is what I wrote. But also a style of painting with vivid expressionist and non-naturalistic use of color. That flourished in Paris from 1905, and although short-lived, had an important influence influence on subsequent artists, especially the German Expressionists. Matisse was regarded as the movement's leading figure. Hmm. So, favoritism. Some of his famous works, The Pink Studio and The Dance. I have a painting called Black is... It's the New Black by Santiago Perez. I'm going to show you... I'm just kind of, like, showing you. So, this Mm -hmm. is Matisse's Pink Studio. Mm -hmm. We're going to put these on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And... This is the one I have at my house. I love that. Yeah. That looks modern. I mean, I, mean, I it guess is. it technically is, yeah. Yeah. It's a guy kind of redoing, he's like re... Uh... Wait, that's Matisse or no? No, that's not Matisse. This is a different artist taking oh, a lot from Matisse. So this is gotcha. Matisse. This is like, and it's obviously taken from the Pink Studio. So like, let's look at the Pink Studio again. Oh, That's Matisse. Cool. Okay. And then this is the new artist that I took from. And his model was black. So I thought it was interesting that there's, like, he's placing Matisse, who's very white and French, this piece of art, and, like, the model being black. It's Mm -hmm. kind of, like, it's saying a lot. Black is the new black. Also, the dance, which I can show you real quick, it was showcased in Bo Jackman horse. Mm -hmm. Bo Jackman horse. (laughs) Bo Jack Horseman. Why did I? Why couldn't I say that? Bo Jackman horse. Okay, you see this? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, so that's, that's kind of, like, the 
stuff I'm familiar with. That's interesting. This is not how I think of Matisse. I think of him as pink, like Mm -hmm. this. It's always kind of these pink colors that Mm -hmm. he does. But yeah, the dance is a very famous one. I don't hate it. It's just not like... It doesn't inspire me, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just not a lot of depth. There it's, isn't... Like, it's like impressive figure drawing. Exactly. And the dance in Bojack Mor- uh, Horseman that's like over his bed or something okay. or in the background and showcases um, every once in a while, and it represents hedonism. I think it's like peak during Bojack Horseman's kind of like spiraling, mm. which I just think is kind of new. That's why I wanted to share that info. I saw that on TikTok, and I was like, ooh, this is a cool little... Easter egg, you know? Uh-huh, yeah. Not related, but let's going back into the Matisse. In his later years, Matisse found inspiration in Cuba fabrics from Zaire with the slim Raphael strips, graphic geometric shapes, and abstract pattern, and a rich dark colors. Matisse set up Cuba cloth collection. I never tire of looking at them and waiting for something to come to me from the mysterious of their instinctive ge- geometry. So wait, these are Cuba fabrics from Zaire. Yeah. Where's Zaire? Zaire is in Central Africa. Yeah. It's now known as the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Yeah. And I think it's insulting how much cultural appropriation (laughs) Matisse has used for a lot of his fabrics Mm -hmm. as a white man. But at the same time, I'm... But he's like using it to inspire his art. I think that's a little different. I think it is... It this would be one example. thing if he copied the textile and, like, sold the textile itself. But I guess it, you're right. It's like, but, I mean, I can see a case for it either way. Oh, well, cool. Yeah, so these are all kind of, like, geometric shapes. This is some of the stuff that he did. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he was very into, that was, like, a certain kind of cloth that he was inspired. He also loved folk embroidery, embroidery which we did a whole piece in. He's very into culture... He's very into, how do I say this, culture costumes. I don't like saying that, mm. but that's... Uh, he's very into, like, yeah, that... Um, kind of aesthetic mm-hmm. um and folk embroidery which is we did a whole if you loyal listeners if you remember you remember we did a piece on it and he required a romanian peasant blouse in like the 1920s when it was very popular in paris he uh, just acquired a peasant blouse well from his friend palatity and and it led to a lot of paintings which i this is some of this is kind of similar to the to the embroidery that i had uh talked about on a podcast before and Which, like, speaks to, like, craft as an art, you know? Like, he's inspired by these textiles, and he's inspired by these fabrics and garments because at that point it was still an art, or at least, like, I mean, and it still can be. But, yeah, I just think that's cool to take inspiration from what these arts that are sometimes considered crafts. Which is also kind of insulting at the same time because he took these mm. these embroideries, these cultural embroideries, and made them into oil paintings, which mm. was really a rejection of Dadaism and mm-hmm. stuff like that. It's like, mm-hmm. and of course he made it famous. And right, like, right. He turns it into like high art. Yeah. Which I will... But although, you know, he didn't know he was going to get famous. <laughs> I Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's fair. If you go back to anti-austerity, you can listen to the Ukrainian mm. um, embroidery speak. Anyways, basically, Matisse loved fabrics, embroidery, and textiles. Like, he had a working library, like I said earlier. Very cool. Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, he also kept doing his art in his niece's studio, even when Jeremy occupied Paris. So, wealthy people don't give a shit. It's really what it comes down to. <laughs> because he was wealthy at that time? Oh, yeah. He was a rich artist at that point. And I remember when I was traveling in Lyon, and we went to a lot of, like, World War II, like, stuff. Like, one of them was about, like, the underground army or whatever, the the, rebelli- the rebellion. Mm-hmm. And these people were bad fucking ass and did a lot of cool art and, to, like, 
but none of the actual artists, famous artists at that time, did shit. If you're not affected by it, why would you care? Right. I mean, yeah. Which you should. If right. it's, especially if it's your, I mean, if it's your people and there's people dying and whatever. But mm-hmm. anyways, I think that needs to be talked about a little bit when we talk about Matisse, just because there needs to be a critique on how he behaved during World War II and mm-hmm. not, and not at, like, because he was still existed and lived there in, in France in itself. So, like... I think that conversation is just avoided sometimes when we mm. talk about artists and mm-hmm. time and place of what's going on. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Okay, we're going to skip ahead to the end of his life, right? <laughs> and it's 1941. Is that during World War II? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's like the very end. Uh, Matisse, who lived most of the year in Nice in the south of France, developed cancer. Boo-hoo. I mean, that's sad. <laughs> um, and he underwent surgery. During the long recovery, he was particularly held by a young part-time he was helped by a young part-time nurse. Uh-oh. I know, right? Monique Borges? Borgi? Who had answered his advertisement seeking a young, pretty nurse. Ew. Gross! They're so typical. And then I said, which, like, gross dude. But, of course, even when they, like, dying rich white men, uh, they still demand attractiveness as a protocol to quality of life. Mm-hmm. They just, like, have to have it. As long as they're good. Anyways, Matisse asked her to pose for him, which I don't know if she asked him to pose for naked because I couldn't get the documentary to my to my house. Like, it's, I couldn't find this. There's a documentary where she's, like, being interviewed. Oh. And there's, like, a whole thing about her and his, their relationship. Uh-huh. And I try to get – I try to watch it, and it's not on Amazon. It's not no. in – at least not in the U.S. And I was like, okay, well, am I going to order this DVD? That seems crazy, right? Yeah. I couldn't find it anywhere. Anyways. So she may or may not have done it naked. I haven't really done that far, gone that deep. Which she did for several drawings and paintings. In 1943, uh, she entered the Dominican Covenant in Vince, a nearby town, and became Sister Jacquise Mary. Okay. Marie, probably, is how you actually say it. Marie. Yeah, Jacquise. Marie. I guess that's what your only option was if you didn't get married. I honestly Mm. thought for a while that I would become a, a sister. Yeah, just hanging out with a bunch of gals. Yeah. I mean, I'm never confirmed. I don't know why I got this idea that I was going to be a sister. But I was like... I can see that for you. Well, I was like into Mother Teresa as a kid. Like, my heroes were Sandra Day O'Connor, the first woman to become Supreme Court justice. Of course. And Mother Teresa. Wow. (laughs) Oh, my God. Join a beauty pageant already. (laughs) (laughs) That is very fair. Yeah, that's that's a good answer. I was like 10, though. Wasn't it you... Was it you who, like, had s- you were- sex? You, were you about to say that? You were, like, obsessed with some, oh, flaming lips, and you had to, you took a class, and they were, like, you had to give a talk on, like, your idol, and you talked about the singer from St. Flaming Lips. Wink Coin. Yeah. Yeah. Just just commenting on how your idols have shifted over time. Oh, yeah, and now I'm, like, embarrassed by that. It's never, you know, like. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Anyways, so Matisse was, like, obsessed with her. I think, you know, he had a near close near death experience, I guess, and yeah. she healed him back to life. And, you know, it's easy to f- be obsessed with someone. I, I don't know. So he like moved into that town, which I'm like, Jesus, dude. I kind of wonder, I guess she liked him enough. I mean, but I'm also, was she ever like, oh, God. I mean, she joined a convent. Is that what it was? A yeah. convent? And then he shows up and he's like, hey, yeah, I'm like here in this town. Yeah. Basically. She's like, hi, Matisse. Guess what? There are plans to build a chapel besides this girl's high school that I'm a part of. And he was like, oh, cool. That's awesome. And she's like, would you help in the design? Whoa. 
And Dude, honestly, I'm kind of like, maybe she's just like, you guys, this guy's obsessed with me, but I think he might be like a famous artist. I'm not <laughs> sure. Uh, maybe I could get him to design this chapel for us. I, like, I'm kind of like, yeah, girl, like. Yeah, she might be, yeah. I mean, I don't, I didn't get the DVD in time, so I don't know. <laughs> like, did he do this pro bono? That's a good question. Probably, probably he was like 70 at the time, I think. He was old. He was old. I don't even know if he was 70, but it was near the end of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, He's just like doing projects. I'm, he grew up also Catholic. I think he was confirmed as Catholic, but he doesn't, he wasn't particularly religious. Can I do a side note about, that relates to old people doing architecture? Yeah. My grandma designed houses. Like she didn't, didn't go to college, but when my dad was out of, when all the kids were out of school, she just like learned to design houses and she like designed the one I grew up in in Indiana and yada yada. She would just have to get like a contractor to sign off on it or whatever. But um, very cool. she's been really bored because my grandpa, like, can't leave the house now. He's, like, you know, in a wheelchair and stuff and ha- has, like, a lot of – needs a lot of care. So she's been really bored. So the other – she, like, designed my dad a house. She, like, told him about it and she's, like, going to send him the drawings. But, like, she just drew him what she thought would be a good – I mean, obviously it's not, like, site-specific because, like, uh-huh. he doesn't own any land or anything. Yeah. But she, like, did an open floor plan on the top floor so that, like, all his grandkids, which he doesn't have yet, can come and, like, bring sleeping bags and all, like, sleep, have, like, sleepovers. Are you excited about this? I mean, I just, he was touched by it. And yeah. And it's just kind of funny. It's like, yeah, she just is, she's a busybody. She likes to do stuff. And I so feel she's her. like, yeah, I mean. Same. But open floor plan is, like, women over 40's favorite thing in the world right now. I mean, I don't think my grandma's part of, like, that. Is that, like... That's an HGTV thing, for sure. Yeah, which she does not watch. But, yeah, I didn't... I don't know that I necessarily resonate with that floor plan concept, but just thought it was cute. That is very... That's sweet. So, like, yeah, my dad's grandparent... Is your grandma, like, where the fucking grandkids at? No, because she has a lot of grandkids. Oh, okay. Well, this is my grandma, so she has, like... 18 grandkids and then, like, a bunch of... Oh, you're the grandkid. I'm the grandkid, yeah. That makes sense. My dad I mean, is the one who's, like... <laughs> that's what I meant. Luckily, he's, like, entertained enough by the dogs. Anyway, okay, so <laughs> Matisse also took on a little side project. Yeah. I mean, I didn't find out the financials about this, but it is questionable. I don't think... I mean, who would charge a church? I mean, this is... Because, like, I don't know. You've got to charge for your labor. Uh, well, the, the people that go to church... The poor people pay... A little taxi tax. You got to pay 10% of what you make is what they say. But then what about, so like did Michelangelo not get paid to paint the Sistine Chapel? I don't know. I think he did. Okay. But anyways, DM us. Tell us what the finances behind that, in, include inflation. <laughs> anyways, so she asked Matisse to do this thing. He had never done anything like it. He was like, oh, I'd love to do the chapel. Okay. And then, and he agreed to help and beginning in 1947. So this father, Couturier, who collaborated on several artistic Catholic churches after World War II, was also involved in the project. Father Marie. Marie is a guy. Elaine. This is French. This I don't know. Mm. And I'm Everyone's Marie. Yeah, in exactly. France. Um, and at the age of 77, so he was 77, that's, that's still not as old as Prue. Yeah, wait, you want Prue to retire, but you're like, hell yeah, Matisse, <laughs> design a chapel. No, I'm like, Matisse, everybody chill the fuck out. 
Um, I just don't want the expectation for everybody to be, like, I mean, do whatever the fuck you want. Mm-hmm. This is the ample opportunity to finally do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. But I'm also like, you don't need to make any more capital. You don't need to do things mm-hmm. just for the benefit of money. And I don't think he was. Yeah. So, hell yeah, keep doing cool shit forever. Uh, Matisse began the project and spent more than four years mo- working on the chapel, its architecture, stained glass, and interior furnishing m- murals in the priest's vestments, which is what I get into. While Matisse had been baptized as a Catholic, like I said, he had not practiced, because why would you? Mm-hmm. Especially if you're rich. Like, mm-hmm. why? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's there to pray for? I'm, right, you have it all. You're like, oh, God bless me, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the fashion part, Matisse designed the priest's vestments for the chapel using... A uh, traditional ecclesiastic ecclesiastical. Oh, who uses that word? Ecclesiastes. It's like I think that's like a book in the Bible, maybe. Interesting. That's probably why I don't know it. Yeah. Never read it. Yeah. Speaking of, <laughs> yeah, going to church. Um, something that I was forced to do. Yes. Yeah. We can get into that later. But religious seasons, purple. Uh, these are the colors that, of the v- vestments. Yeah. That traditional. Which are what like a big vest? What I would call a uh, a poncho. Uh huh. It's a religious poncho is how I best describe it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh-huh. they throw it over. I mean, this is a shirt, but it's still, like, probably open on the sides, you know? Yeah, yeah. Just the kind of thing you throw on and run out the door, you know? <laughs> yeah, you but you look, look good. You want to look fancy and religious. Exactly. You got the idea. Okay, so green is, like, a normal day at work for priests hmm. is what I wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, so you see them traditionally wear a lot of green. Like, hmm. if you go to a Catholic church on a random day, you're going to probably see them wear a green vestment. Huh. Purple. They wear during Lent and Advent, which okay. I know Lent. Don't know what Advent is. Well, I know there's, like, an Advent calendar. So is that, like, in December before Christmas? That's what I was thinking. It's like when you get those calendars that give you a piece of chocolate every day. Yeah, that's why I was like, the Advent calendar. So I guess it's like... The 12 days in Christmas. Damn, dude. Christmas gets so much build up. It's like... I know. I know. And all... Yeah. And you're just like, are you getting divorced or not, Mom? <laughs> What's the real... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyways. Um, Rose, which is like pink, which is my personal fave. I say that twice, I realize now. Um, doesn't really have a necessary day, but optionally can be used for the third Sunday of Advent, which I'm like, why the third day of Advent? And fourth Sunday in Advent... For Sunday in Lent, it says. For, for Sunday in Lent. Just in case we have any devout Catholics listening. Yes, exactly. And it there's a lot of feast for it. Like, there's a lot, like, you wear it during a lot of feasts. So your rose your rose vestment might be a little roomier. Yeah, I think it's just, like... That's got the elastic waist. <laughs> yeah. So there it's is like no... a bib, basically. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's purple because it has, like, so many food stains on it. <laughs> yeah. It's from all the salmon, actually. They just, like, right, stained yeah. it. Yeah, sorry. It's rose. Um, so white is for Christmas the tide, which is what we should be calling Christmas, is what I decided. Christmas tide. It's, like, yeah, it's just during Christmas time, basically. Easter, you know, a lot of some of the other feasts as well. There's a lot of feasts happening that I would never took part in, and I'm kind of mad. If yeah, I was... when is this feasting happening? Not where, not when I went to Catholic church, which I didn't go, I went as a kid, but like, you know. Mm. Uh, the sacrament of baptism, whatever, all these things. Red is Palm Sunday, Good Friday, another feast of the Passion of the Lord, which is like, you know, his last. Right, right, the Last Supper. Yeah, it's for martyrs and evangelists and apostles. I don't know what feast, it's the feast for that too, which I'm like, damn. Mm. Yeah, this sounds like a fun religion. Why didn't anyone tell me? And they have the best, best looking churches. Yeah, we're going to get into it. 
And then black, of course, what do you think black is for? Did you look at it already? Yeah. Okay, well, it's for funerals. And yeah, All Saints sense. Day, All Souls Day, and Requiem Mass, which is the same thing as funeral. Okay. This is the third time in Matisse's life where he made costumes. And the other times, I might get to later, but it, he did this, and this is his... This is his big moment to shine, I would say. Because mm. it's really cool to not only do the architecture of a space, but also the traditional wear in the space. Oh my gosh, yeah. What a full concept. Like Exactly. That is just, what a project. I would be so excited to do that. I'd be like, if you're going to come to this space, this is what you have to wear. Yeah. <gasps> Anyways, in his white painting studio in Nice, Matisse started plastering the space with colorful marquettes, which are basically collage paper things. It's like, you know, what did we call those things in school? Like when we... I don't know what you're talking about. Just like not the final design, but we like trade like... Uh, like a Parties. Parties. Oh, there's, yeah, there's parties. But like his are like collages versions of that with paper. Hmm. And he made 20 in total hmm. for these vestments. But they call, they're they also called something else. And I'll say the word when I... Chasubles. Chasubles, yes. And he kept 12 that he wanted to use for the chasubles. I think vestments and chasubles are like intertwined. Okay. Um, on the green Marquette, which is the the green one, the one that you use every day, he used, uh, but this is the Marquette, so this is like him trying things out. He used lemon yellow goosh, the same as the stained windows for the chapel. Mm. I'm going to kind of show you what the chapel, yeah, so you get the idea. It's got that yellow. Um, yeah, so he used a lot of the yellow, um, like lemon yellow as the same as the stained windows that you see. And he used the cutting out of this shape of a tree, which apparently the tree is linked to this legend of Daphne, which is a humankind's fundamental myth, which I had no idea about. Huh. Basically telling of a human being being absorbed into a tree. Wow. Oh, I wish. I know, right? I mean, that's basically my job, but not really. Anyways, he decided against the this particular kit, but nonetheless, my reading supply that its design, it was very spiritual in essence. And I mm. thought that was just kind of a cool image because it's very pagan-esque made for this Catholic, yeah. Catholic thing. Yeah. And the green chasuble apparently symbolizes redemption and hope. And it's the main chasuble that is worn by the priest. Like Wait, what's I said. the chasuble again? It's the same thing as a vestment. Okay. It's just a poncho, fancy poncho. Okay. And he used spiky yellow shapes are placed on black squares supposed to represent flames emerging from the death of black light and darkness giving a glimmer of hope okay so this is it i'm showing hope the picture we're gonna put these all again on instagram but yes so you can see the spikiness it's kind of like showcasing the flames yeah i can see that kind of explosiony yeah yeah so the pattern the pink chasuble my fave one um one is because it's cute as fuck i'm gonna show you right now the pink chasuble or the rose one, whatever they want to fucking call it. It's also, if you go to this chapel. I love that. Right? Cute. But also, it's like the feast one I was telling you about. His design in the pink chasuble consisted of stars, flowers, and seaweed on top of blue rectangles and quatrefoils. Foils, and it's called back to small gothic window set in stone. Hmm. Which I thought. You can kind of see it if you remember it in your brain. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But the red one is supposed to show Christ's passion. Like, why are Catholics so obsessed with... So obsessed. It's like the iconography of just, like, Jesus being so sad on the cross. Yeah, and so much blood. They Mm -hmm. love the blood. Mm -hmm. They drink his blood. Disgusting. And the suffering of martyrs, it's just like... The suffering element kind of bums Mm -hmm. me out. Which, sure, religion is strange. Anyways... 
which he had in mind was this sun-kissed island set amid warm seas with scorched vegetation and mosquitoes. That was kind of his, like, inspo to, you know, showcase suffering. Yeah, Um, dude, mosquitoes suck. Yeah, especially when you're, like, dying of heat and all you have around you is scorched. Imagine. Yeah. Awful. Matisse said that red is a... I really like this, by the way. He said red is a color that stings and has no flat plane. It jabs you right in the eye, which I would agree with. Yeah. Why do we... Anyways, there's a part of me that's just, like, women have always been told that red attracts men, but I think it just means, like, because our buttholes are, like, red and, like, men are attracted to buttholes. Your butthole's red? No, but like you know, we have jacket. Oh jeez, I keep eating. You're like, you know how your butthole is always bleeding, and guys <laughs> just love it. <laughs> okay, red is absent within the actual architecture of this of this place, but you can see it when the sun shines through the windows. Which I looked, and again, I didn't see any pictures of it, but that's what I read um, at certain times of the day. So it has to be like a certain time of the day. Pink and purple also reflected light in that area. Uh, but I love they're just like trying to get people to go to church more. And it's like, you got to catch the morning light. <laughs> also the afternoon. It looks really cool in the afternoon. It's all different. Different types of day. And the purple chasuble has random green flowers and blue butterflies. Also one I couldn't find a picture of. And it's supposed to represent liberty and beauty, which I thought was really nice. And... It's supposed to be worn during Lent and Advent. Apparently, the hardest one to deal with was the black. And since he was such a color guy, I think black felt so heavy to play with. Mm. Especially since it was like the funeral one, you right, know? Right, right. He's like, you guys, this isn't going to look good on camera. Like, you're not even going to be able to see the detail. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. The blobs, I need the blob. He needed He needed his like hint of mm-hmm. greens and blues. But he made seven marquette, marquettes of it and was thrilled with the juxtaposition of white on black. It, it looks very tropical. I mean, he's very inspired by coral. That was, like, one of his favorite kind of shapes and forms. It just doesn't seem Catholic, but I... I agree. I st- you know, I stand corrected. I don't... This is just one of his Marquettes. So this is not... I don't know if this is his final product, but this is, like, some of his, like, paperwork that he did Got to it. get inspiration to the final. Wow. Which I think... This seems like a project that would take, like, longer than he had left to live. <laughs> It took him four years. Okay. That's pretty quick. I mean, and I don't think he did all the architecture. Like, I'm sure there there was an architect. Right. And he was just like, I'll do stained glass. You know what I mean? And I'll do the paintings on the wall, you know? But he did have some kind of idea of what he was looking for. So Matisse's final vision had a design of monumental wings around the letters Esperlacut. Oh, it's in fucking French, you guys. It's a French word for something, okay? Why don't you just translate it? With a white circle in front and a single cross, that's basically giving an image. We're going to post all of this on Instagram. Don't you worry. Mm -hmm. But also, you get the idea. It's like black with white images. And it gives an image of great calmness. How would you describe that? When just like looking at it? The vestiment? How would you, what is is that feeling that it evokes? Hopeful. And. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. There's like kind of like an upward motion and the shapes are very encouraging and yeah that's that's do you do you really feel that way yeah yeah that's great because it is a funeral that's the one you wear to funerals and stuff Mm. so i think it its intention was to not be so doom and gloom Mm. but father couture the guy that from before you guys that helped him i don't know how to say his name (laughs) 
spoke of this black chasuble and said it was not a gloomy chasuble at all. Right. And it was a chasuble of resurrection, Hell which yeah. I liked a lot. Yeah. And Matisse replied with, that's what you need, isn't it? Death is not the end of everything. It's the opening of a door. Wow. Which he's I'm like, like, dude, I'm about to die. Just let me cope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Obviously. And also he's like, I don't know if I'm actually Catholic. It might, I do might believe in life after death. I don't know. It's yeah. what it kind of tells me. Mm-hmm. But also you could believe in heaven. I don't know what his afterlife thoughts were, mm-hmm. but. The fabric chosen was silk poplin, which I have n- no idea what that actual silk is. And I didn't mm-hmm. do any research on it, but it's just interesting that it's a silk. Yeah. Um, and it gives a very smooth finish, similar to the gouache in his Marquettes. And mm-hmm. I think that was the intention. Mm-hmm. The fabrics will look as much as the Marquettes as they could possibly. Mm-hmm. And that's why it does look it does look very smooth. Yeah, it does. You know, it does look like it could be made of, out of paper almost. Yeah. And it's part of the choreography of the liturgical events, which I it's I, liturgical. I liturg, How do you liturgical? say liturgical? Yeah, which I'm I'm assuming is just like the church body. Yeah, it's or like the is liturgy. Is that more of like the church, like royalty? I don't know. Yeah, it's just a church word, is what I assume. So right. I'm just gonna say the events. So like the chasuble itself is a choreography of this event of acting in Catholicism. Yeah. But I shouldn't use the word acting, just being and existing in Catholicism. Mm-hmm. And the vestiment acts as the embodiment of the intense luminosity of the chapel. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. I think so too. It's like, <sighs> what, like why don't buildings ever do this? Like let their designs come alive through the people. And it's like the priests are so much part of that building. It's almost like, it's like they don't, like you're saying that it's like, they act there. It's like the stage of their religious practice. It's mm-hmm. like it's not their home, but like it is their. It's a ritual practice in that space. Yeah, yeah. So like, like you said, they're like embodying the building. Like, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's so cool. I know. I would just love to. We should just make our. I was thinking maybe we should just make our own version of our own religion, like in some kind of anti-fascist architecture, which includes, like, a liminal space or something. I don't know. Mm, we can I talk about it. this. I love it. Are we starting a religion? <laughs> this is what everyone has feared. Uh, well, you could say that... The, I heard I heard somebody say that uh, the ultimate liminal space is, like, uh, an airport. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting what people wear in those spaces. Mm. But I would it would be... I don't know. It would be interesting art experiment if we created a, a spiritual liminal space. You know what? A liminal space just means yeah, a waiting. Yeah, in between space. Dude, you know what else would be cool? What? Is if we did a runway show in an airport. We just like... I love that idea. <gasps> oh. I gotta, we gotta think about this. We'll go farther into it. We have to like buy tickets to some place. <laughs> <laughs> and just take photos. Okay. The items were made of special care of the Dominican sisters of Cripo. So I, I think that's important information because they were hand-sewn by women. Mm. And it wasn't just made by Matisse. Matisse was, of course, the the creator of the image, but the person that actually yeah. created, like, made it into being were these women. Mm-hmm. And that's Nirlan, who specialized in liturgical vestments. Matisse claims that he prefers El Greco, which you talked about earlier, is where, what's Da Vinci or whatever? Is that who it is? I talked about this? The guy touching the finger. Uh-huh. The Sistine Chapel. Michelangelo. Michelangelo. It's called El Greco, isn't it? Oh, Somebody, like, I Googled this earlier. Let's double check because I was just like, what's the El Greco? Oh. A Greek painter? Well, I'm going to say paint uh, church because there's a church. And that's what he's comparing. Oh, so it is amazing. That is and that is crazy. I will say, uh, now that I'm looking at it, 
Insane. Matisse says he uh, prefers El Greco to the chapel that he designed. Yeah, so I'm like, staying humble, dude, (laughs) till the day you die. Yeah, he said, there is soul everywhere in that space. He says, I'm inhabited by the things that wake me up but do not reveal themselves when he's in the El Greco, but not when he's in his own space. I was thinking about this, like, because Catholic churches are just so maximalist and, like, ornate, and there is something so religious about ornament. You know, and yeah. like you're, when, how you're saying like we should start a religion, like I'm imagining us just like having garments and just like spending a really long time like gussying them up and like embroidering them or whatever. And I was also thinking about like artists and how like I feel like before I really understood art or like consumed it regularly, I didn't understand like why artists would kind of like repeat the same motif or like style over and over again. But now it feels like you have to like feel like something is important enough to do like to meditate on it and to create all of this art about it over and over again and that's like what's so beautiful about it is like you're so moved by something that you want to like spend all this time making something yeah I I I feel like it's so fucked up in a lot of ways because art is a lot it's just now in a lot of ways it's a different version of capitalism and it's like how people make money Mm -hmm. is it's by buying art Mm -hmm. but have you, and I know you have because you talk about how you love modern art, but like experiencing and touching the actual art. And a lot of times for me, it's not even like paintings. It's like experience of architecture. Mm. It's I've had a lot of book art ex- experience. I wouldn't say a lot, but I've had book art experiences where I get to touch and experience mm. the art and interact with the art that has been ultimately changed me as a person I, I think it's more it's not even just inspiring it's like I can't even describe the words that it is but it's just like something inside of me knows that anything's possible and mm. then that somebody just made something because they wanted to make it and then mm-hmm. cared so deeply about making it mm-hmm. and then I see it and it and it transforms me in some capacity it's just so yeah. beautiful to me and right. I don't even know how to like it's just humans reaching out to humans and these really metaphorical artistic ways and then people can take from what they want from it but also I don't know how to you know what I'm saying there's something so like almost like counterintuitive or counter capitalist I guess more specifically to spend a ton of time doing something like you don't really know it's gonna pay off like right it's just fully like impractical kind of like frivolous and just you're doing it because you're it's like a meditation and you're just like yeah, I think that's why maybe I find, like, installation art so impactful because right. it's, like, the building of, of it. Like, just, like, the building of a thing. I mean, in a way, that's, like, some of what you see at Burning Man where it's, like, you just, like, brought all this stuff to the desert just to, like, just to make it and then it's going to go away. Yeah, but also with those pieces, you are pers- your body is personally interacting. With- you become part of that art piece is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I don't – to me, like, I don't need to touch art. It's not something that I really – feel like gives me too much more the the anti-fascist piece was you could touch it like you could touch the mm-hmm. candles you probably would have liked that I would have loved it I already saw photos and was obsessed but yeah. I was like I want to know more I just the librarian Sandra we're getting off course but I, the librarian Sandra Colebrook I think I need to look it up you dubbed a special collection she does modern art book collections mm. and I went to go see her with my the person I did I went to France with um they were like you got to experience this mm-hmm. and I took off work and I'm gonna go again and I and she had reserved some time for us students and we went in there and we looked at 
some of the book art, and her whole thing is touching the art. Mm -hmm. She's like, it's so different and physical than looking at it on a screen. Mm -hmm. And I I believe that. I think there's importance to internet, and I think there's a great thing about internet, but I think the most transforming part about art is seeing it and experiencing it. Yeah, definitely in person versus online. Definitely, even though we are talking about this online, but I'm just imagining being in this church and seeing and not only seeing the priest where his like being a part of the whole ritual mm-hmm. just sounds I don't know, it sounds really amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went to a Catholic wedding in in um, October, and it's I mean it was boring, and I oh yeah, those are it takes like an hour. Yeah, or long. and it's just like I mean the the priest was cracking jokes. My sister was like making fun of me because I was just like. I think it's just like when you don't expect them to be cracking jokes, it's even better. But I'd also just like look up at the ceiling and there's like literally paintings of like cows with wings and shit that I'm just like fucking Catholic churches are so good. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a, I think a lot of white people, especially I think people here in the U.S. are just starving for any ritual. Mm -hmm. And if you grew up Catholic, there is some ritual in it. Mm -hmm. You know, there's like an ornate. Part of it, of course, they love ornamental there, and I think this is just a different version of ornamental, and, like, yeah, there's just such a metaphor to also, like, thinking of the outfit on top of, like, the stained glass and on top of the seating and and on top of, like, how they're going to – because there was a lot of talk, I didn't even go into this, about the movement of the priest and how he moves his hands and, like, has to kneel on his – the actual choreography of the body was – thought about it as well i mean like not even for matisse but just like religiously Mm. that's why the vestments are the way they are so yeah anyways that's pretty cool man that's great it's 9 30 dude hope's been struggling (laughs) (laughs) it's time to go to bed let's get out of here yeah well um you know like we said please follow us yeah give us a rating i mean get only good ratings good ratings only like if you even kind of like the podcast just like rate it so that other people can just like find it and sort of like it um and learn more about this this stuff yeah we we love you guys i love you hope you um saranara